Rock Your Purpose podcast, home of the Live Awake Collective. This is a place to find inspiration and life-changing tools to awaken your authentic self and activate your purpose. I'm your host, Emily Perry, an inspirational speaker and international teacher, and I'm here to take you behind the scenes in creating your own purpose revolution. So get ready to rock your purpose, lead your community, and manifest your vision for your life. Welcome to the journey. Let's dive in. Hey there, welcome back to the Rock Your Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Emily Perry, and on today's show, we have Peach Friedman. Peach is a longtime yoga teacher and teacher trainer, and she's the author of Diary of an Exercise Addict, an internationally acclaimed memoir that tells the story of her recovery from anorexia and compulsive exercise. She's a former studio owner, a mother of two, a poet, a passionate human that's you know, ever curious about understanding what it means to be embodied as a woman in this time. And, you know, in addition to two decades of working in the yoga and fitness industries, she spent several years um, as an eating disorders recovery advocate, speaking on panels and lecturing across the U.S. about the risks associated with exercise addiction. She's been interviewed by Barbara Walters on The View, twice featured in People Magazine, and as much as she loves the quiet peace of being home with her family, she feels called to continue speaking up about the issues that she cares the most deeply about. So I'm so excited to have her on the show today. You'll see in, in our interview that our interview took place just as you know, um, so much was happening with Black Lives Matter and the murder of George Floyd and those times um, a few months ago. And so much has changed since then in the world, but our conversation I felt is as timely as ever. And it was such an honor to have her on the show and to speak with her about all the things. So I'm so excited to share this interview with you. Before we get started, I just want to tell you about a couple of things. And so first, we're having a retreat, you guys, the Elemental Retreat in Baja 2021. I'll be with Kenny Graham, and we'll be at Pachamama, Mexico in Baja in June um, 2021, from the 22nd to the 27th. We have an amazing retreat in store for you. We'll be steeping in the five elements. Uh, Pachamama, if you go to emilyperry.com slash Baja2021, you'll see images like uh, Pachamama has these amazing Adobe teepees. Um, it's really a special boutique hotel experience, amazing pool and location near Todos Santos. And you know, you'll see all the information there to learn more about this retreat experience. We're already about halfway full. We have one single left. And um, I'd really love it if you could join us there in Mexico. We'll have yoga, meditation, breath work twice a day, time for exploration, time to hit the holistic spa, <laughs> time to surf or horseback ride or unwind in the hammock lounge or the infinity pool. I mean, there's so many amazing things in store for you. Um, we also have a full moon ceremony under the stars in Baja. Um, I mean, does it get better? <laughs> I don't think it does. Go to emilyperry.com slash Baja2021 to learn more. And of course, the link is in the show notes. And then I want to invite you to learn more about the Live Awake Collective, which is my online membership community where we dive into 
Some of these practices and tools that we talk about here on the show. The Live Away Collective is a place where you can start crafting your aligned life right now. It's a community for luminaries just like you, ready to claim their power and you know ignite their life. You get to access it from anywhere. You only need a dollar to get started. It's a 14-day trial for just a dollar. We have live streams every week. We have um, breath work, meditation, personal transformation workshops. We have um, full moon and new moon ritual ceremonies um, live streamed <laughs> together and so much more. Like we have this retreat coming up. We have some virtual retreats coming up. I'm really excited about which I haven't announced yet and so much more. And so the doors to, to the collective are open. You can go to liveawakecollective.com and you can learn more. Again, it's a dollar to get started. Hop in. We have three spaces. We have the Sun Lodge, the Moon Lodge, and we have the Soul Shala. And so all these amazing um, places to, you know, really do inner healing, soul work, and get inspired <laughs> to, you know, rock your abundance and live awake and really align with your purpose, right? So, so much good stuff happening over there. Just go to liveawakecollective.com to learn more. Again, it's a virtual experience, but we do have these live experiences that we will eventually be returning to. All right, you guys, on to the show. So thank you so much for being on the show, Peach. Thank you for being here. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Really looking forward to this time together. So often when I, you know, have people come on the show, we begin just by talking about, you know, what your journey has been like to, to get to where you are now. I mean, you're known as this, you know, amazing yoga teacher and a writer and a mom, right? Mm -hmm. And what's, how did you get to where you are now? Like what's your origin story, so to speak? Um, um, you know, such a winding path, <laughs> so non-linear, <laughs> Um, so many things and, you know, yes, like I think I'm not, I'm not one of those people that can, you know, if you ask me the question, like, what do you do? I don't have one answer for that. I feel like I have many layers to kind of my work in the world. Um, being a mom is, thank you for mentioning that. It's such an important one. And it's actually one that right now I'm really trying to embrace at even a higher, more committed level than I ever have before. Um, uh, and, and that that's relevant to my work as a writer and as a yoga teacher. Um, but, you know, I think we could go so far back to answer the question, like, how did you get to where you are now? But the you know, abbreviated version for my work, a really big part of my story is that I had anorexia when I was quite young and anorexia was a defining passage for me in my life. Um, coming to terms with my eating disorder was what allowed me to really have an awakening in my body. So I often actually think that as backwards as it might sound, I'm really grateful that I went through that period, that, that kind of really painful struggle with, with anorexia because it, it, it allowed me recovery. And in recovery, I learned so many skills uh, that helped me helped me figure out like the kind of woman that I wanted to be and the kind of work that I wanted to do, um, including 
my work as a yoga teacher. So I actually, I actually practiced yoga um, as a very young person before I had an eating disorder. My mom owned a yoga studio. So I grew up, she really owned like a yoga and dance studio. So there were, it was like a movement center where there was a lot of dance classes um, and, and, uh, but mostly yoga. It was primarily a yoga studio. And so I had a lot of that influence as a young person, but it wasn't necessarily my primary thing. And then post anorexia in recovery, it would just say, became so clear to me that yoga offered me both the physical outlet, the, the deep embodied connection, you know, through asana, but with a sense of naming the whole person, like naming the whole woman, so that I felt like I could practice asana and bring my whole self to the table. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I didn't know for a long time, like what I wanted to be or do as an adult in my career I had always also been a writer and thought for a long time that I might become a therapist. I still sometimes think mm -hmm. I might become a therapist yeah, yeah. <laughs> in my 40s. Like, why not go back to school? But really what teaching yoga allowed me to do was like a lot of that, that work of helping, you know, being in a helping profession as well as well as continuing to help myself at the, at the same time. Um, so that's maybe the short story of kind of like how, how I got here. Well, and so many people who teach yoga and it's the same way as acupuncture. I mean, I'm an acupuncturist as well. And I remember being in acupuncture school and everybody that was there in, enrolled, you know, had been through some healing journey, right? Some healing crisis and Chinese medicine has, had been one of those lights on the path, you know, and same with yoga. I feel like when you go to like all of our students that come to our trainings, like they've all had, they have a story of healing that really brought them into a real practice of yoga, meaning like a committed, dedicated, in-depth inquiry into who they are and into the practice. And um, I love that too, how you said like it was one of the first times you can really bring your whole self to the, the mat and to your experience there, which is one of the really beautiful things I love about the practice of yoga is that we get to invite all of ourselves, all parts of ourselves, <laughs> you know, to the practice. Yeah, that's right. And I think that it's so true that often what brings us to a career in any sort of like healing modality or healing art is that we have had some sort of really profound healing experience with it ourselves. It would be hard for me to imagine that anyone could uh, have a long-term career as a yoga teacher or an acupuncturist or, you know, any, any kind of overlapping field without having had that work touch our own lives. Because as you know, being in a healing profession, it's a labor of love, mm -hmm. right? Like it's not a get rich quick scheme, not that you can't earn a good profession that way, but, but it, the, work, the work calls for us, demands of us that we stay really present through it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's just so true. <laughs> yeah. And plus it's like, yeah, because there's so much demand on you in the, in the, profession so to speak it's like you have to believe so hard <laughs> you have to work, believe so right? hard I yeah. love that you have yeah. to believe so hard and it does demand a lot of us because I think to be you know it's a it's a giving um you know it's work we get so much from it but we we do we give a lot we give a lot of our bodies and our hearts and our and the whole self and the mind and um yeah and so you wrote, you wrote a book and so what was the impetus for, I mean, because, you know, we all have story and people write all the time, but what was that really the drive to 
I know like for me, it's like sometimes you just feel so compelled to share, like you just sharing is part of the healing practice as well. And what, what really was the impetus for that and getting that out into the world? Well, very much what you just said, you use the word compelled and I, I don't know, um, but I think that compelled and compulsion might have some of the same root. It, I felt like I had to tell my story and get it out there. You know, I have, I have been a person who has always felt compelled, maybe to the point of compulsion, that I have to like speak my truth and say my truth. I am extremely verbal <laughs> and talking and writing are like how I make sense of the world. And for better or for worse, sometimes for better and for worse, I have lifelong been compelled to speak up. When I recovered from anorexia, or at least had recovered to the point where I felt like I could talk about it, it was such a life-forming process for me that I didn't know how I was going to be able to move into the next chapter of my life without writing that story down. And the process of sharing it with others may or may not be necessary, but it felt to me like a way that I could reveal a lot of my shadow, a lot of what had been very dark, very ugly, like very unattractive, very sick, um, to reveal that to the world was cathartic for me. And, um, thankfully it helps other people too, right? Because mm -hmm. then they, other people who are going through a similar shadow experience can read or connect with my experience and think to themselves like, oh, you know, I'm not alone. And oh, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, right? All of that sort of mm -hmm. thing. So, so it, it felt for my own healing really important to, to spit it out and to be very raw and honest about my process. And you know, gratefully, it, it also was a way that I could take that ugliness that I had lived through and help make it beauty, you know, for somebody else's life. Yeah. And just having that, I think modeling to like, okay, there is this, you'll get through this. If I, if I can do this, you can do this. You know, um, I think it's a helpful for people to have that kind of that model out in the world, right? It yeah. gives them that kind of, that kind of hope. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, when we go through these periods that are so um, hard, like the hard times in life, which we all go through, we can feel so isolated, so alone. You know, we, we talk about it as like the shadow and the only way to heal the shadow in a lot of ways is like to, to shine a spotlight right on it. And for me, you know, if you read my book, it's, I reveal some excruciatingly painful details that are not necessarily the the parts of healing that people always talk about and um mm -hmm. i i revealed a lot of the, the things that i carried shame about and it was that like if i can shine a spotlight on what people don't talk about or on what i didn't even want to look at myself then suddenly it, it can't be my demon anymore right like i can't be so afraid of it if i just bring it right out into the light and i think um you know, I think for others too, to read that, to see like, oh, she, you know, sh she had the, the, the courage after, you know, to, to bring this stuff forward can help others feel like, like they're not alone in their shadow or like there is the potential at least for it to be able to come into the light at some point. Yeah. And then it's a dance between, you know, shadow and light. And I think so much of like, you know, even just what's happening in the world right now, it's like the shadow wants to be seen and like we can only really heal unless we can't heal unless we actually look at those, those aspects of ourselves that we've boxed off or we've 
haven't felt safe to um, either explore or share. And so it's such a beautiful um, process. I think just as yoga teachers too, it's part of, you know, as a teacher, it's like sharing those, that journey, that healing journey with students must be so powerful um, in terms of like giving them permission to also give voice to their journey, yeah. right? That's, ab- that's exactly it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think with everything that's happening in the world, you know, right now too, I love what you just said, like the shadow wants to come into the light and for all of us to be asked to look at uncomfortable and difficult things that maybe we have had the privilege to be able to not look at, you know, or to, or to avoid on some level is, um, is an awakening and like how much light and goodness can come from our willingness to really face what, it, what is dark. Like, I think mm-hmm. there's the potential for that. And I think that's, that's the hope and the idea with, with all of the protests and kind of the revolution that's happening in terms of, you know, of race, racial injustice right now is like, you know, you know, say their names, right? Say his name, say her name, look, look, watch the videos because we all need to face this in order for this not to continue to be like a disease um, that's, you know, that's systemic, right? Mm -hmm. And it becomes this subconscious subterranean conversation, right? That's happening energetically unless it's spoken to and spoken of and, and, you know, unmasked. And I was just listening to a podcast with Rob Bell and he was just talking about this, this era, this time that we're in as a great unmasking. And I think it's just such a beautiful metaphor, not just in terms of, um, you know, racial, racial inequity in these, in this country, but also just as people. Yeah. I love, (laughs) I mean, I love that idea of the great unmasking. I love that like for our society and I love Mm -hmm. that for our individual selves. Like, oh my gosh, how liberating is it Mm -hmm. to pull the mask off and to, and to say like, I don't have to hide anymore behind these shields. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, here's, here's who I really am. Here's what's really happening in our world. I, Mm -hmm. I love that. The great unmasking. That's beautiful. And so much of it too, is like a reclaiming, I think too, because you know, it's, you know, especially when people have gone through something, what you've gone through and, um, or these healing journeys, it's when we box off and shadow off parts of who we are, we're also cordoning off like one part of the magic of who we are, right? Because in that kind of boxing off, it's like you take parts of who you are with it. It's not just all the dark stuff that gets kind of, you know, suppressed, so to speak. Yes. And if so, Thank you for saying that. I think that's so important. It's like if we try to close doors to like parts of who we are or box ourselves off, as you're saying, we don't, we cannot just put away the undesired parts. Like some other little part is going to get hidden away too. And I think to access like our full uh, potential creativity, strength, courage, power, empowered self, we really have to look at the whole self, right? Like we really Mm -hmm. have to be willing to be our entire being. And that you know, that is something that I love about, about yoga, honestly, like the way that I, the way that it's been taught to me and the way that I teach it is, is not that it's all glitter and, and rainbows and unicorns, right? But that like, <laughs> if you know, as, as, as my teacher um, and colleague Noah Maze often says, like it's a frictive process, like there's friction there mm-hmm. and, and sometimes it provokes us, right? And mm-hmm. that, that element to me is so valuable, actually. It's like, in order to be able to experience the glitter and the rainbows and the unicorns, like we need to be willing to sit in the fire and to burn a little bit and mm-hmm. can't have one without the other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And be willing to be uncomfortable and 
what I love about yoga too is that it gives our nervous system this capacity to be uncomfortable and to sit in really difficult moments like we're in right now. Like we can sit and bear witness to all of it and not flip out. (laughs) You know, like what gives us the skill set, I guess, to not to not suppress, to not repress, right? Um, I think that's that the bearing witness part is so important too, to be able to, um, yeah, to be able to pause, you, you know, you're, you're so right what you're saying. It's like the, the practice of yoga, what did you just say? Like gives our nervous system sort of the, the skills to bear witness and sit mm-hmm. with the discomfort. And I think sometimes, you know, that means like hitting the pause button, stepping back, listening so that we're not trying to write over the experience that we're having or that our, that our, maybe our whole, whole world is having, but to be able to actually sit back and kind of be in the discomfort of the pause and, mm-hmm. and really bear witness like that is as healing as, I mean, that is as much the work as anything more active. Like I think one tendency, honestly, that I'm, I'm trying to work with right now with everything that I'm learning through what's happening nationally and, and globally, you know, is that there can be the desire to like, like quickly do something, right? Like <laughs> I want to just talk, I want to just talk and say like, I get it. I'm good. Like I'm learning, you know, and yeah. I want to kind of make sure everybody knows that like, I'm doing a good job. I'm learning, but even I, I catch myself like doing that and it's like, all right, Peach, well, is that really the work? Like, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> Like maybe I need to yield even a little more to sit back and just bear witness even a little more, both to what's happening in the world and to my discomfort and my tendencies, right? My, mm-hmm. Like <laughs> watch the tendency or watch the urge and maybe inhibit the desire to act on every urge. And I think a lot of us too, I mean, who come into healing arts in general, it's like we're fixers. <laughs> yes. So like... <laughs> Um, and we talk a lot about this in a lot of my programs, we talk about the drama triangle and there's like, you know, the victim, the villain and the hero. And it's what we call heroing, right? When you try to hero everything and like be the one that's like, I got that. I got it. I got it. You know? And, and it's like, and to be a hero, you have to have a victim and you have to have a, or a villain or both. Right. And, um, really stepping out of this kind of fixer, um, martyr, I mean, there's so many different paradigms at play, but um, especially right now with um, the racial injustice that we're seeing um, and, you know, the subterranean and not so subterranean um, white supremacy and um, privilege that's happening, but really starting to see, okay, like my role here isn't to fix things because that's centering my version of the world, right, on, on what's happening and what people experience in their life. Like I can't I can't do that. Right. So I love this idea again of, yeah, bearing witness and be like, okay, how can I serve and support from a place that's actually of service (laughs) and not just feeding my ego or like whatever, you know? And it's, you know, it's so interesting too, because I think as teachers, we're so used to holding space and we're Mm. so used to being in a facilitation role. And I think as yoga teachers, they're, you know, we, we hold the container for a lot, right? Like so much happens in the yoga room. So much happens in our bodies, in our hearts, you know, and like leading teacher trainings, like how many times do we hold the space for that circle when there's tears, when there's major 
kind of revelation um, or when there's even great conflict. And so, you know, and yet I think it's also really important for us to know as yoga teachers when it is appropriate to, to step forward and teach, but also when it's appropriate to step back and say, this isn't mine to teach, or mm-hmm. I'm not the teacher for this moment, right? And let those voices who are the teachers for this moment, like step forward and, and do their thing. Yeah, so beautiful. And also just speaking to that too, this is, oh my God, this is like totally my jam. So as yoga teachers, we do, we hold space, but we can only hold space for that, which we are comfortable or um, prepared to hold space for. Meaning like if we haven't done our work, your stuff is going to show up in those moments, right? When, when you're being called to rise up and hold that space and maybe say, okay, maybe this is a person that we should bring in for this conversation, or let me refer you to this, this amazing person or whatever's happening in a room. Like we can only hold space for that, which we are, we can only hold space for the extent of the shadow that we've already been seeing in ourselves. Right. So if we're not doing our own work, then it's like, what are you, you're, you're just allowing, it's just going to be rainbows and unicorns and spiritual bypassing. And (laughs) exactly. And it's so much a part, like I, you know, we don't have to go that far with this, but like I talk in teacher training so much about like knowing your scope as a yoga teacher. And I think that's exactly what you're speaking to. It's like, we have to be able to really closely know where is that edge where we need, like you're saying, where we need to call somebody else in because if we do try to take it all or do it all, we set ourselves up for like a whole host of other, of other mm-hmm. problems. So mm-hmm. yeah, being willing to do the work ourselves, the more work we do on ourselves, I think the greater capacity we have to, to teach and to hold the container for others. And yet there will always be that, that line where we have to know the boundary of like, okay, here's where my work ends and I need to call in somebody else to do this piece. And that's such a beautiful, I think, just being in that space, it's sort of, sort of like, it's just so clear, I think, as a, as a student, like, okay, wow, she's got a lot of clarity, or he's got a lot of clarity in terms of, like, hey, where we are in this moment, and we're not, there's so much that goes on in a yoga space in terms of, like, the student-teacher relationship, and, you know, projection, and all that, but a lot, um, yeah. just being able to, yeah, have that clarity of, of seeing, you know, um, I think it's just so powerful. So as you've been teaching, I mean, for many years, and how has that transition with COVID-19 been for you? And I know you've had a studio, and um, how has that transition been for you in terms of moving into the virtual space and and whatnot? Yeah, it's been so interesting. So I I did own a yoga studio for many years um, when I lived in Alabama. I'm back in California. You know, I sold my studio when I left Alabama back in California, and for the last three years, I've mostly been traveling to teach, um, mostly going down to Los Angeles. And so obviously I'm not doing that now, nor am I teaching at the local studio here. Um, I am teaching online. I'm teaching on, you know, I have a YouTube uh, channel. It's mm-hmm. been very interesting. Like on the one hand, Emily, I have to say there's part of me that loves it. There's something about kind of rolling out my mat and, and, um, kind of doing the class myself, like practicing it in my own body and not having any feedback from any students where it's actually kind of fun and playful and artistic and creative um, to to do that. And, And I enjoy a bit of the freedom that comes with that. It's like, okay, I can just like go into whatever I'm interested right now and, and like 
be playful with this experience of recording a video, knowing that like, I really don't have control over who's going to watch it that much. But of course, what I miss is the same thing, which is the feedback from the students. You, I miss the experience of being able to um, adapt the moving piece that is my class to the feedback of being able to watch my students absorb it. So I always think of teaching yoga as like a process of translation. So when we're working with the body, you know, I don't know how anything's going to go until I see it land in my students' bodies. So when I talk, <laughs> I'm walking around the room and I'm teaching and I'm cueing, each student has to translate that, my words, into their body. And that is, to me, the most beautiful process to watch because I have my words and my idea for how something is going to go. And then I watch each student in the room translate it into their form. And from that, then I base, you know, the next thing I'm going to say, right. And, and so that kind of interactive dance um, is gone when you're teaching online. And I think that's a loss, right? Like that's, um, that's something that unless I can be, you know, unless we can somehow create a platform where I can really see all my students and teach at the same time, you know, Zoom is a little tricky to do that uh, very well. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, but I think that's the missing piece. So I would say it's like a gain and it's a loss, right? It's, it's both. I don't see it all as a great loss, um, but I do see that there is loss there. Mm-hmm. And this transition, it's like, yeah, this connection that we get energetically in this space. It's like, you know, Zoom isn't, it's not exactly the same (laughs) at all. Um, But I am glad that we do have at least technology to sort of stay connected in some form. And um, I'm hearing just different things from different teachers that I talk to because some people just love, yeah, like being able to um, just be wherever they are and, um, and connect in that way, then some people are like, nope, not even doing it. So <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely, you know, both. And like, the other cool thing about it is that is that students of mine from all over the world have been able to take classes with me again. And that that's fun. It's really fun to, to have that um, connection with students I wouldn't otherwise be able to see in person. But, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. And it's, it's really interesting, because this, we don't know how long term this might be. I understand some studios are opening again, but I you know, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to jump into teaching again in person with, <clears throat> with things as they are now, because I don't feel that warm to the idea of teaching a live yoga class with masks and social distancing. I think a lot will be lost there. So I will likely continue to work online until we can really be together again in person. Um, or at least that's how I think I feel about it today. I know it's like but who knows <laughs> things are changing so rapidly and um, yeah. I was just having a conversation with um, uh, some producers I work with and they're like well we're gonna wait to ask you these questions until the day before because we don't know what's gonna happen between now and then and just with the way the world is right now it's like everything is just so in flux and again, so grateful for the teachings that we have, the tools that we have so that we can, you know, find stability within ourselves with all that's changing and shifting and, and moving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I love that too, because, 
it's, you know, with, with COVID has definitely been a, you know, it changes by the day, by the hour sort of a thing, but like, isn't all of life that way, except that I think sort of pre-pandemic, we really thought we could control it and plan ahead. Um, totally, totally. But like, you know, you're a mom too. It's like, we really learned that through raising kids. Like we can't mm-hmm. control it. We don't know who's going to wake up with a fever or mm-hmm. what homework assignment is going to throw our evening for a loop. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's unplannable. Yeah, it's definitely a throwback to like when my, my kids are older now, like they're, you know, uh, 14 and almost 16. But when they were toddlers, I just remember those days where like you thought you had it figured out. And then they wake up the next day and it's like game on, like totally new scenario. Like all the yeah. things that you had that worked don't work anymore. And I definitely yeah. feel like COVID's like our toddler, like <laughs> just when we think we might have it kind of understood, like everything changes <laughs> and like we have to like refigure how things are, are going to be and we can't plan ahead. Like I was just thinking, I mean, I used to have over a year ahead and uh, planned, you know, booked out a year, almost two years out, right, for retreats and trainings and whatever. And now it's like, I can't even do that. I can't even look at the next month, really, you know. I know. I've had people reach out and say, you know, when is your next teacher training? You know, I have no idea. Like, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know. So it's, we're all on our toes, I suppose. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So what's, what do you have happening right now? So what's, what's sort of been the journey right now in terms of like what you're offering, the way you're showing up for, you know, your students and. and Yeah. Well, I am, you know, I have a YouTube channel. I am filming when I can and classes and I do have a good collection. I've got over 50 classes on there. So there's a lot to choose from um, already. And additionally, I am, you know, I'm writing a lot. This, this has opened up some time for me to work on a writing project that I, that's been in the back of my mind for a while. And so I'm hoping that, you know, that will be able to come together in a piece that I can publish and, um, and that that will be another way that I can kind of connect with, with students um, and then beyond that, I lead a mentoring group. So kind of at the beginning of 2020, it, it was interesting, like before we knew what this year was going to be about, I gathered together a group of women um, and it's, uh, um, it's an, that's like global as well. It's a, it's on zoom before we were all on zoom, but it's the, it's a mentoring group that I lead for yoga teachers. So I mentor a group of yoga teachers kind of throughout the year. And I've been really glad to have that group going because that's been like a through line of teaching for me and of studentship for them that hasn't had to be interrupted by this because we were already committed to an online platform. Um, and, and as it's turned out, like we have all really needed, me included, that mentoring group because it'd be funny, we'd have like our scheduled topic for the month and we'd get on the call and it would be like, yeah, we need to talk about something else today because that <laughs> scheduled topic is like not nearly as pressing as as you know, the fact that we're all suddenly sheltering at home or as the fact that, you know, there's massive protests marching down our street. And um, so mm-hmm. it's, you know, that, that's what I've had going. And then I'm also committing more time to my kids. Mine are nine and 11. And so, you know, not quite teenagers, but definitely not babies anymore. And trying to use the opportunity to fully, fully engage with mothering because I do know that in a few years, um, that opportunity won't be there in the same way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So beautiful. So what's the best way for people to 
to get in touch with you or to follow you. So you have your YouTube channel and um, what's your website? Yeah, my YouTube, so my, uh, my website is uh, peachfriedmanyoga.com. Um, my YouTube channel is like youtube.com slash peachfriedman. And we'll make sure, of course, to tag um, everything in the notes for this episode and the show notes. So you're, um, you'll find direct links there. And of course, you know, if you like this episode, take a screenshot of you listening and tag us in your Instagram stories and we'll, We'll reshare it because I love to hear, you know, what people you know take away from these episodes. So um, yeah, definitely. So great to have you on the show. Mm, thank you so much, Emily. It's you know I've followed you for a long time too, so it's like really fun to get to talk together. I feel like we could talk forever. I know forever, forever. Um, yeah, it's funny because I've seen. Yeah, we have some overlapping teachers, but I don't think you've ever been at a Christina Sell thing or that I've been at maybe. So. Um, yeah, it's always fun to to finally talk to you. Totally, totally fun. <laughs> well, we'll talk definitely again soon. Sounds good. Sounds Thank good. you so much for being here. Mm. And we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Many blessings. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you again so much for joining us here on the Rock Your Purpose podcast. And as always, everything you'll need to learn more about Peach will be in the show notes as well the link to the elemental yoga retreat in baja 2021 and the live awake collective and of course we have our facebook group the rock your purpose facebook group which i'll also link to in the notes here and until next time (laughs) be well take care and we'll talk to you soon